Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and uh, what a joy it is to preach the good news to you. May God bless your ears and heart that you have the hope and peace that we have in Jesus Christ, and that the Lord changes your view of the world, that you see things as He does with the love of His Son, Jesus. If you want to support His mission here at St. James through Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org and donate. Thank you for listening. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You ever feel like Thomas? What do they call him about Thomas? He gets this nickname, poor guy, Doubting Thomas. Let me just throw this out. He's not the only doubting disciple. And maybe you know exactly how he feels. We had an awesome Easter. We had great attendance. Music was blaring. We had horns, great singing. Thanks again, musicians, for all the work you have done throughout Lent and Easter. And I was pumped for sure myself leaving here. Um, Christ Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Wow. But then Monday comes, and then I got to rise and wake up and go back to work. Ordinary life, whatever the challenges were pre-Sunday, they're still there. Whether it's work or it's family or something you're worried about, got a little reprieve Sunday, you go back to it. Got phone calls and people that I've been working with. That's what a church does. It walks with people through their challenges. And one wonderful member uh, is going through some challenges. And she basically said, you know, Jesus rose, did all these things. I wish he'd do some of those things with me. Could I touch his side, feel the nail marks with my hand in his wound? good question, isn't it? They got to experience something amazing. The resurrected Jesus and see it with their own eyes. What about us? What do we get? Has God forgotten us? Did that happen? Is it a historical event? It happened and now we're just sort of waiting this out till the next great thing? How are we sustained? It's a very good question if you're having that. Very important. Today's sermon, I think, is more important than last Sunday's. Last Sunday's is easy. Jesus rose. Good for Jesus. What about me? Where do I fit in? And we see it laid out here in the resurrection account, chapter 20 of John that we read earlier. You can read along if you want to as we go through this. Uh, I think lays out exactly how we should be thinking today post Resurrection. How is the resurrection alive in our life today? John tells us that the evening, it was the evening of the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Earlier that day, Jesus rose. Mary Magdalene saw him. They told the disciples there was a little race. Remember, John and Peter, that's why we had our sunrise shuffle, actually raced the tomb. Who got there first? John did. He makes sure that everybody knows. And by the way, I got there first last I'm joking. Tyler, maybe Tyler did. So anyhow, we all came together in a tie, didn't we, Tyler, at the end, at the uh, sunrise shuffle. It's fun. John really does say this. He's like, uh, and uh, John got there first. 
But they didn't see Jesus. They saw an empty tomb. They heard about it. All the wonderful women, they actually said they saw him. They should have believed. But where are they now? It's Sunday evening. And where are they? Look at where they are. The doors are locked. They're in a room. They're afraid. Last Sunday, our goal was how the resurrection should change your worldview, how you see everything differently. Now, the sin has been removed by Christ, and you're going to live forever should change how you look at the world. And what are they doing? They're afraid. It didn't affect their worldview. They're scared. Did Jesus leave them scared? Sometimes I wonder if they're scared of Jesus who's coming to see, where were you guys? Let me get thrown on a cross. They're afraid of the people that put Jesus on the cross. They're not living in the resurrection reality. And what does Jesus do? Look what he does. Doors are locked, but Jesus comes right through them. You can't lock Christ out. Nobody can. Your sins can't lock Jesus out. Your doubts can't lock Jesus out. And even if you've got friends that are atheists, they're not a believer, guess what? Doesn't matter to Jesus. He can do amazing things. He can break down doors. He does miracles. He gets through locked doors of our heart, of our mind. He makes it happen. Praise God. Or else none of us would be here if he didn't get through our locked doors, right? Amen? So he gets in there, and he stands in the midst of them. Not apart from them, not separate, not to freak them out, but right with them because that's Jesus, that's our God. In the midst of their fears, there he is standing, and the first thing he says is peace, shalom, which would be a very common greeting back there. Peace be with you. Like, how are you doing? Like, when you ask, how are you doing, do you really care how someone's doing? I mean, I do. You guys probably don't, though. You're just saying it, right? <laughs> Wait, you know what I mean? And the same thing for shalom. You'll hear that if you go to Israel. Shalom, it's how you doing, right? And shalom back, it's good, goodbye, and all these things. When Jesus says it, he means it. It's not a, a Hallmark greeting card. And not only that, when Jesus says it, It happens. He doesn't just say things like we do. When Jesus speaks, it happens. Let there be light, God says, and there was light. Jesus never wishes for things to happen differently. He makes them happen differently. He speaks it. It is. Peace be with you. And what's the peace that he has? Sins are forgiven. The barrier, the guilt, the shame that kept you from coming to dad, mom and dad's uh, a dinner table to stand before the Father has been removed by Christ. And death has been conquered. Is that peace? That's a lot of peace. Don't need to worry about my sins. Don't need to worry about death. That's insane amount of peace. Peace be with you, he says. And then what does he do? After he says this, he shows them his hands and his side. So he gives them physical evidence because in their reality, people don't rise from the dead. It's not enough to even see it. And then the disciples are overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Did they immediately, when they saw Jesus, say, all right, Christ is risen, and believe? No. Because that's 
what sin does. We are dulled. Every sense, I would say in your life, your senses are dulled in general. <laughs> you don't see, you can see something right in front, of, it can be right in front of your face and you won't see it. This is a fact, right? Something can be right in front of you, you will not see it, let alone spiritually, let alone something like God. So the resurrected Jesus is standing there, they're not even seeing it as he's standing there because it's so ridiculous to them. But also sin is inward and it dulls us. And we forget this, every aspect of man. We think that everything, we think the seeing is believing. It is not. Because something can be in front of us and we still won't see us, right? Nature only answers the questions you ask. We are not purely, perfectly, you know, can empirically understand all things. We're myopic. We only see what we want to see a lot of times. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you literally didn't see something? Maybe it's a relationship and your friends are like, get out of that. You don't see it. That's what we are. We are limited in that way because we are sinners and we're living in a world of death. This past 20th century was an example that words can literally change how you see things. Whether it's communism or it's Nazism, words change realities and made people do and think ridiculous and unscientific and unempirical things. Because we can do that to our brains. And if that's the case, how much more when it comes to seeing God? We need to have our eyes opened. It's not enough to just see something. So God opens their eyes, Jesus opens them, and they see after he speaks. And then he says this, peace be with you again as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Too often we just run through this sentence, we don't take it seriously. What is he saying? The Son of God through whom all things were made, is saying that just as his Father sent him, and think about what Jesus did, the healing, the miracles, just opened their eyes. He is sending those fools, those sinners that didn't believe just a couple moments ago. And Jesus is sending them to do what? What does he say? Whoever, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And remember, he gives them the Holy Spirit and empowers them to do this. Just as Jesus was sent to speak and his words made things happen, he commissions his church, these guys and the church in general, to go forward and to number one, the most important, the very central thing, Activity of the church is to tell them, to tell people, to tell sinners, broken people, knocking down through uh, barriers like Jesus did in this uh, disciples' room, to tell them they are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And Jesus says, when you tell someone they're forgiven, they are forgiven. Not kind of. It's not a wish. It's not, I think God forgives you. You have been commissioned, the church as a whole, to literally to, to literally remove someone's guilt and shame and burden that they're carrying with words. And it's just as effective and powerful as Jesus himself doing it. Does this make sense? This is absolutely crucial, Christianity 101. 
Jesus did not die and rise and ascend and just leave us to figure things out. Hope you do well. See you in a couple thousand years. But he sets up a very clear system. It's his presence in this world through his disciples. And look what they're given to do, forgive sins. When I say you are forgiven and you're, you're confessing or, I'm, you know, or just personally, pastor, this or this happened, I feel so bad. I can't believe I did this. I get to say you are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ and it is done. And when you are also told to do that when a friend says this and they are burdened or ashamed or whatever, God has literally put you in their life to say you are forgiven and it is finished. Not because Joel has things so. It's not a, it's not a church theology. It's not... Lutheran or Roman Catholic, this is Jesus' words. It's his commission. It's his power that does it. That's how we see the risen Jesus and experience God in our lives through people. That's how he set it up. Now what happens? Thomas isn't there. Thomas called the twin, interestingly, and some suggest he's called the twin because the other twin is the church. <laughs> One of the 12, he's not there, and I think it's on purpose. Jesus knows what he's doing. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. They do exactly what Jesus said. I'm sending you. They go to the, who are they going to see first? Where were they going to go to their fellow disciple? And they're going to say, we saw the resurrected Jesus. And what does he say? Well, I need to see him too. Your words are not enough. I need to see. Have you ever said that before? Man, if you could see. Boy, if you were one of those disciples, life would be different. If you actually could see Jesus risen, if you could actually see him, or maybe a miracle in your life, or if he would fix this, man, I would change everything. I would believe. You think that's true? I don't think it's true at all. I'll bet you've had great things happen in your life, and I'll bet you changed your life for like a day. I'll bet you said, I bet you've said those prayers. Man, if I get this, I don't, maybe our kids, if I get this A on this test, I'm sure they have, actually. <laughs> I'm going to do this. If you give me this job, God, if I get a good report from the doctor, and maybe for a little bit, you're a real strong believer. But miracles don't save like that and they don't bring faith you need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and to see the love of God and to cling to that Jesus who died and rose for you so Thomas says these words the same words we say ourselves and uh, <laughs> look at this verse 26 week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was now with them. And notice what's going on. The doors were locked. Why are they locked? I mean, are they, they saw Jesus. In fact, they believe that he died and rose for them, and they're locked again. Next Sunday, sleeping instead of coming to church. <laughs> That's how it is, man. That's the believer's life. Just because you believe strongly one day doesn't mean the world doesn't get you down, doesn't mean the fears of this world don't overwhelm you. It doesn't mean you, you get lost reading Facebook posts and the whole world's going to you know what. 
or you did lose your job, or this is going on, or the devil is just lying to you. How could God really forgive you? That happens. That's how it is. But what does Jesus do? He comes again to their place through the locked doors to tell them the same old thing, peace be with you. And notice, it's every Sunday he sets a pattern because they need to hear it every Sunday until he comes again, until we are buried, until, we, uh, until that glorious day. We need the constant, not just one time, peace be with you, he's risen, everything's great. We need the constant word of God in our hearts. That's why you have church on Sunday. Because every Sunday, guess what? We have new sins or old ones that we're still struggling with. And we believe strongly last Sunday we had a pretty good week. But man, we got down Thursday. Christ doesn't stop chasing you down. Christianity, salvation is not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing through the church, through his word, breaking down your doors. Even as strong Christians, we need to have him breaking down our doors and giving us that peace, right? And we should know better. Thank God he doesn't stop. So what happens? He goes in there, says, peace be with you. Same old gospel message, peace be with you. And he goes to Thomas, hey, Thomas, <laughs> put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put them in my side, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas says this, and this is very important. If you have Jehovah Witness friends or friends that don't believe that Jesus thought that he was God. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Jesus never thought he was God. That was invented later on. Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my what? God. What if someone came to you and said, my God, would you just like, kind of like, oh, that's funny. Like, that's insane. You would not, you'd either laugh, that's ridiculous, obviously a joke, or you might say, yeah, don't say that. You know what I mean? Like there might be lightning coming down. I'm not God, man. That, if that's how it is today and how casual we think of God nowadays, back then a Jewish person would not have someone else telling them they're God. Jesus would correct him, but he does not because he is. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. Jesus says this, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's not saying they're better than Thomas. Jesus doesn't say blessed like you do. Oh, God bless. We just flippantly say that. Oh, God bless you. Bless you. We're just kind of wishing. Hope things go well for you. When Jesus speaks, it happens. Blessed are those who have not seen and will believe. He set it up so it will happen. By the power of his word spoken by those very disciples, Thomas included, by you to a friend, by me to you, he is going to bring faith to you so you will see the resurrection, experience the forgiveness, and believe it in an equal fashion as if you were talking to Jesus himself. I promise you this. When you tell someone else Jesus died and rose for them, it is equal to Christ himself saying it. That's not my idea. It's Jesus' commission. He's made it happen. That's why you're here. That's how it works 
That's how we see the resurrected Jesus, by the power of his word, which is greater than actually seeing it yourself. His word, his Holy Spirit, gives faith, opens eyes, sustains us. Now, I'm with you on the post-resurrection down. Getting off the mountain and all the stuff and the family meals and all these things and the good times that we have and going back to regular life and wanting to see that, that Jesus and wanting to put our hands in his side. That's okay. What are you going to do when you feel that way? You come to church as Jesus designed it and you hear someone tell you outside of you, there is hope, you are forgiven, it's going to be okay, and point to that glorious day that's coming. It's Jesus' design. It's how it works. His word gives life. Continue in it, not just in church service, but at home. Like I told the kids, kids, you telling your parents, and I've heard parents, I've heard parents, I love it, Especially having, a, having a, a, a wonderful Christian school there and you hear parents say this, oh, my kid led us in prayer today. That's beautiful, but also they're speaking and ministering to you the powerful word of God. How beautiful is it when you're going to hear your kid later on say Jesus died and rose for you? It's not just cute that they're saying it. It's Jesus speaking through that little person who's really not much different than you are, the good news of Christ, breaking down your doors, which we need and given us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.